just switch myself on there. Uh, morning, everyone. And uh, just have a, have a few announcements. You're very welcome to our service this morning. And anybody that's watching online is very welcome also to join us. Um, just there's quite a few announcements, so we'll, I'll rush through them. Um, as from next week, uh, the offering will be collected as in pre-COVID days, that is row by row, um, and dedicated at the front of the church. Okay, so that's next week, just to give you a wee bit of a warning. And uh, also just in regards to uh, giving, whoever actually uses number 25, if you use a number 25 envelope, would you please speak to Isabel Walker at the end of the service and she'll be at the back of the church, okay? So if you use a number 25, please see Isabel. It's nothing alarming, nothing to panic about. Just Isabel would like to have a wee chat. Um, Tonight there'll be a time of worship and prayer in the quiet room and at half past seven. So we're going to have like a PowerPoint and time of prayer, time of worship for this year ahead, for praying for people in the church, praying for the community. So I would love to see you all there. Um, in, your, in your sheet this morning, your order of service, you'll notice that there were, we're going to have a, an appetizer evening um, on the 25th, Wednesday the 25th of January. But I've decided uh, to give that a buy ball um, simply because when we started off with the appetizer evening, the idea was that it was to bring along a new subject, something to appetite, to whet your appetite about a new subject, something fresh. And because we're staying on the theme of prayer, I don't want to just do meetings for the sake of doing meetings um, but I want, I don't, I'm, a, I'm in danger there of losing the freshness so I, I'm putting a bible on that uh, on the 25th because I don't want to lose that spontaneous and, and fresh approach to an appetizer evening. Now what is more important probably is tonight where we're, we're praying and worshipping and seeking God's face for the church for the, the, this incoming year. Okay, the funeral of Mrs. Sheila Palmer, as, as you know, is on Tuesday, the 17th of January at 11 o'clock here in the church. Just a wee reminder for that and keep your thoughts and prayers uh, heavenward, praying for uh, Sheila's whole family. Uh, special, there's gonna be a special life lounge um, next Sunday night, Sunday the 22nd of January at half past seven. And when as a token of our love for Sheila Palmer, we'll be presenting a recording of Sheila's interview on Life Lounge when she was the guest last June. And this is an opportunity to remember and celebrate her life. And everyone who knew and has fond memories of Sheila is invited to attend. And uh, her family have been invited. And this Tuesday, I've got the permission from the family to uh, announce on Tuesday at her funeral for folk to come along and uh, remember Sheila and celebrate her life that night watching that little uh, video, that interview. Uh, just a wee reminder that the Girl Guides... Uh, the Girl Guide leader, Ben and myself, if we just meet after the service with regards to the Girl Guide service coming up in February. 
And now I'm just going to ask uh, Jennifer, Morel Murphy's daughter, to come, and she's going to come and give us a wee update. Uh, Morel has been kept back from church today, purposefully, and Jennifer's going to give us a wee reminder of what's going on on Saturday the 28th of January. Um, good morning, everyone. Thank you, Mark. I'll not take up too much of your time. So, um, I had to bring my iPad to make sure that I don't forget anything this morning. Um, so, we're only two weeks away now from the big birthday, and Mum and I are absolutely delighted that so many of you are able to come and join us and celebrate with us. Um, so. On the actual night, um, without giving too much away, um, very similar to those of you who were at Mum's house last year, um, Brian and his fantastic pipers and drummers um, will be leaving here at the church um, around about 6.30 and heading up to Mum's house um, for around about 7 or 6.40 to collect the, the VIP, the guest of honour. Um, anyone not or anyone going to the Clandy Boy Lodge, we would ask if you could be there for seven, um, the very latest about ten past seven, because as you all know, this is a surprise. So um, he'll be arriving in and around about twenty past half past seven. Um, Lots of you have been asking more mum than myself, but um, what you can buy him, and the simple answer is absolutely nothing, because he's had a hundred years to gather up absolutely everything he could possibly need, and believe me, he has everything he could possibly need. Um, so. In lieu of presents, um, we have decided to collect for two charities that are very close to the family, um, one being the RNLI and one being Air Ambulance. Um, there will be a wee basket on the night for any cards and donations that you would like to leave, and obviously this is completely voluntary and at your own, own discretion. Um, you don't have to contribute, but the money that we do raise will be split equally between, between the two charities. So um, thank you very much, and we can't wait to celebrate with you all on the 28th. It's hopefully going to be a great night, <laughs> and a night you'll remember. Thank you. Uh, I just have one more announcement. I got a letter from um, the Vine Centre, and I'll just read out a little bit of it. Um, on behalf of the Vine Centre, I would like to thank you for your generous donations towards our Christmas appeal from Ballycrocken Presbyterian Church. Your commitment to helping us with our work is sincerely appreciated. Each year, the Vine Centre continues to advance its mission of demonstrating God's love through supporting local families. Your donation to the Christmas Appeal allows us to fulfil this by making up food hampers and distributing toys and gifts to those families experiencing hardship at this time of year. So there's a thank you from the Vine Centre. Um, okay, just like to start our service by reading Romans chapter 6, verse 23. Uh, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. David, uh, my son, he, he went to the Antrim um, outlet centre just after Christmas and he came back with a pair of Nike tracksuit bottoms for me and said, there you go, Dad. There you go. And I, I was all touched. I was all moved. Thank you very much. That's lovely. 
And then he says, you owe me 23 quid. <laughs> so that's not a gift. <laughs> Today we want to look at gifts, something that's given that are free, okay? Gifts that are free and the blessings of God that have been poured out upon us as his people. So let's pray a wee minute. Father, we just we thank you for your goodness to us. And Father, so often we get into a rut and we take for granted the blessings that you give us, the gifts that you give us. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that today we might celebrate, Lord, those gifts that you pour out upon us every day, and especially the gift who is Jesus Christ, your Son. And we just pray that you'd be with us in this service and that Jesus would be uplifted and glorified and magnified, and that by us doing that, that our hearts may be drawn to him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're going to stand and we're going to sing How Deep the Father's Love for Us.
often we get into, as I was saying earlier, we get into a rut and we don't stop and think about all the blessings God has given to us. So I found this uh, little video on uh, YouTube and it's called A Letter from God and it reminds us of God's promises all based in Scripture. I'm going to have a wee look at it now. my love for you is revealed. He is the exact representation of my being. 
He came to demonstrate that I am for you, not against you, and to tell you that I am not counting your sins. Jesus died so that you and I could be reconciled. His death was the ultimate expression of my love for you. I gave up everything I love that I might gain your love. If you receive the gift of my son Jesus, you receive me. And nothing will ever separate you from my love again. Come home and I'll throw the biggest party heaven has ever seen. I have always been father and will always be father. My question is, will you be my child? I am waiting for you. Love, your dad. Almighty God. I just want to read two verses from Isaiah 55, uh, verses 8 and 9. Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So if any boys and girls would like to come up to the front, and you see a wee bit better up here if you want to come up. Um, okay. Good. Since we're looking at the context of gifts and blessings, there are some gifts that we think are really important that God would think mm, not as important. And there's some things that God would think are really important and some things that, that we, we may not think they're as important. Okay, now, we're told in James 1 verse 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. That is from God. So what's a gift? And I have a whiteboard here. Tell me what gifts, and you can include gifts that you have got for Christmas. You include anything you want that you think is a gift, okay? Tell me, what do, what do you think is a gift? Give me an example of a gift, of a present. You're a gift. Yes? <laughs> yes. So you're a gift, a gift, son. To mum and dad, okay? Okay, your gift to your mum and dad. Excellent. Anything else? Me LOL, dolls. LOL dolls. Oh, lovely. They're lovely. <laughs> I've no idea what they are, but the sound of Okay, LOL dolls. Lots of laughs, dolls. Okay. Anything else? Do you get? Lego. Lego. Brilliant. Love Lego. Going to be a builder when you grow up. Anything else? Yes? What do you get? A big dolly. What's how big? How big was the dolly? A mummy dolly. A big mummy dolly. Okay, so anybody else want to tell me what they got <laughs> or what a gift is? Now, tell me this, in any of those things, 
Did you have to pay for them? No. And that's what makes it a gift. A gift is something that is free, that you don't have to pay for at all. You know, if, like my son got me Nike tracksuit bottoms, but then wanted 23 quid for them. That's not a gift. Here's a, a gift, by definition, is something that is given to you, and it's completely free. Okay? Now, so we've gathered in, we've got examples, and we've gathered that a gift it's free. It is absolutely 100% free. Whether it came from Santa, whether it came from your mum or dad, it's free. Now, I'm going to think of another few wee gifts. What about things that, that often we, we don't wrap them up, but they're most, most important in our lives? Let me, yes. Food and water, yes, food and water, and God gives us enough food, good, and he gives us enough water, okay, and what about health? Feeling well, because if you don't feel well, it's hard to enjoy anything, so we've got health, anything else, who are you going home with today? Do you want to make your dinner? Yeah? So, what about family? Isn't that a good one? We've got family. God gives us families. There's so much to be thankful for every single day. So, our, 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 our family, dolls, Lego, big mummy doll, food and water, health, are all, are, what about our friends? Are they not gifts? We put friends down? Okay. What's that? Clothes! Yes. You sort of have to pay for those though, don't you? Well, you don't. Everything's free for you. Yeah, so clothes. Okay. And God provides the clothes. And Jesus said, don't be worried. Don't be worried about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear because my heavenly Father will provide those things. He knows what we need, okay? So, but let me just share something with you, okay? I want to share the greatest gift that God has ever given, and we're looking at that a wee bit before Christmas. We're told in Romans 6, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death. In other words, our sin, God on the justice side is one thing then. He needs to punish our sin, okay? So that means judgment, but God, oh, that's your wee doll. Very nice. That's lovely. She's got a good hairstyle there, hasn't she? Okay. But the alternative to God judging us is that he punished his own son so that he could give us an alternative, another way. And he says, and the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus. So that when we come to Jesus and give our lives to Jesus and receive him into our hearts and lives and ask him for his forgiveness we receive salvation eternal life forever and ever and ever so that we when we go from this earth and our bodies are a bit old and tattered and torn and they give up 
our spirit goes to be with God forever and ever and ever. And that is absolutely free. It's not something we can work to do. It's not something we have to achieve. It's something that when we come to trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we receive what he has for us. Okay, so thank you so much. You're doing really, really well. And you all, you all did well at Christmas, did you? You're all happy? Yeah. You're all happy to be back at school? Put up your hand, you're happy to be back at school? Nobody? <laughs> okay, so you're looking for Easter next then, aren't you? Looking forward to Easter. Yeah? When's your birthday? January the 11th. January the, what? 11th. January the 11th? That was last Wednesday. Happy birthday. Oh, that's your party, is it? Let everybody just see your wee doll before we, we finish. It's not some wee doll. Isn't that great? <laughs> Who wants a hairstyle like that there? <laughs> hey. Right. You need to put her hair out of her eyes. She can't see it because no, she... she's a dolly. And the little ones can't see. Enough the big dolls. Okay. <laughs> And something we can thank God for are our wee ones. And the more wee ones, the merrier. Okay, so there's a, there's a Chris Tomlin song. I just want everybody, I had never heard this one before, but uh, I want just everybody to listen to it, reflect on it, and then you can go out to Sunday Club. But it's about God's gifts and God's blessing. It's called, I think, The Gift of God by Chris Tomlin.
the club now in the Bible class can go out and I hope you have a really good time. Okay. Okay, we'll just settle our hearts a wee minute and I'm going to ask Ben to come and uh, do the prayer of intercession for us. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father God, we first of all lift up our broken world to you now. Lord, the more we look around, the more saddened our hearts can often be. We think particularly of Ukraine at this time, the war there, and all the unrest, uh, not merely in a military setting, but also uh, throughout the world, different governmental conflicts, different things going on. Lord, it can seem disheartening at times, but let us as the church take heart that you are sovereign, that you are in control, and that you are working a plan out in all of this. I pray as well in our world for all our brothers and sisters in Christ who are persecuted for their faith. Lord, help us here in a country where we can freely worship to learn from their faith, to learn from their example. Lord, often we can be ashamed and shy away from our faith, and yet our brothers and sisters across the world are willing to lay down their lives for their faith in Christ Jesus, just as the apostles did. And so I pray that you would protect them and comfort them and encourage them. And that through their bold actions, that it could have a knock-on effect, even on the likes of their persecutors, even on those around them, that they could see their faith and that it could plant seeds. Because you use all things to plant seeds, God. And so beyond just our world, we lift up our community to you now, God. I pray that all of us, could have a heavy and burdensome heart for our community who currently don't know you. Lord, help us never to forget the reality that all of us will one day stand before your throne. And Lord, help us to remember that if, if anyone be apart from Christ, that they have no excuse. And so help us to have a real heavy heart for those that don't yet know Christ. Let us really yearn to reach out to them, to plant those seeds that rather than facing uh, your wrath, that they instead face your grace through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I pray that they may know him as their Lord and Savior, that we will be urgent, knowing that the time is the enemy, the time is short. We don't know how long anyone has. And so I pray that all of us can be intentional with our neighbors, with those around us, intentional in inviting lots of people to different events run by our church, and that we can be intentional in everything that we do, thought, word, and deed, with everyone around us, that they may then come and know Christ. And I pray um, that our community can come to the many things that our church runs, to Mercy Church, to all the different organizations in place. Let our community come to those things 
Let them hear the word of God proclaimed. Let them see Christ's love in our actions. And let them uh, decide to follow him. And I just pray as well uh, for our church particularly. We really um, lift up the family of Sheila Palmer, all those bereaved by her death, many of us here. But Lord, we're thankful that as Mark has read, that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And that's where Sheila is now. And let us be thankful for her life, learn from it. But nonetheless, even with that blessing, still death is the enemy. Death wasn't in your original plan. It is the foreigner. And so help us um, to be with the family of Sheila Palmer, to comfort one another at this hard time, to draw close to you and your comforting hand will be upon us. Let us know your comfort, God. And I just pray for all of us in the church as well, just that all of us can have a real passion for you, a fire for you, that people can see it when they come through these doors, that they can see a difference in us, that they can see uh, some of Christ in us. And I just pray particularly for those in leadership, those uh, leading different organizations, uh, the elders, Mark. Lord, give them a real spark, a real flair for the gospel, to share it with all those who are coming to the organizations. And we're so thankful that so many do come from outside the church. But help us to use those opportunities. And we pray, God, one day that the people who come to those organizations can maybe start coming to our church body on a Sunday morning where they can hear your word proclaimed, where they can draw, join in fellowship with all of us. And so I just pray that our church body can grow. But Lord, it's not just about numbers. You know, you say that even if one sinner turns to repentance, that it brings joy in heaven. Let us even seek one person who currently doesn't know you to come and join our fellowship, to come and know Christ as their Lord and Savior. And let that bring us joy. Let us be prayerful for that. Be a prayerful church. And so, Lord, um, I just want to finish with the words that our Lord Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Um, we're going to stand and we're going to sing an older hymn, that, um, but it's, it's a favourite of mine, and I just think it's a, it's a lovely hymn called Breathe on Me, Breath of God, and it's, it's actually a prayer recognising that we are weak without God, that we can do nothing in any spiritual sense without God's moving in our hearts and lives and in our church. So it, let's sing it as a prayer this morning. Breathe on me, breath of God. Fill me with life anew, that I may love what thou dost love and do what thou wouldst do. Let's stand.
I'd like to read a couple of wee passages uh, from Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, verses 17 to 21, and then moving on to Ephesians 2, verses 6 to 9. Ephesians 1, 17 to 21. Let's hear the word of God. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you might know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. And far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And I want to be focusing this morning on that verse 20, when he raised him from the dead and seated him. Christ is seated at his right hand. And then Ephesians chapter 2, verses 6 to 9. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us, I'm going to be focusing on that as well, seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast." Let's pray. Father, we just, we do need you, Lord. Lord, we just pray that you would breathe upon us this morning. That, Father, you'd fill us with your Holy Spirit, that we would know your presence here. God, that your presence might be life-changing. That your Spirit might take your word and apply it deep into our hearts. And, Father, that it might be life-changing for us. Lord, we pray, Father, that you would refresh us this morning that you would stir us this morning, that by your Spirit you would replenish any spiritual fatigue in our souls. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I know um, with the Christmas tree services and all, and all the busyness of Christmas, uh, we've been diverted away a bit from the theme of prayer. Uh, Likewise, I find that in our own lives, uh, when busyness creeps in, uh, it's usually the first thing to go is our prayer lives. Um, Yet just as air is essential for us to breathe, prayer is essential for us to remain fresh and strong and to grow in Jesus Christ. May I ask you, and I ask myself the same question um, this morning, are you satisfied with where you are in your relationship with Jesus Christ? Or would you like more? You know, when we read from Psalm 42, verse 1, as the deer pants for the water brooks, so, my, so pants my soul for you, God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When we read that, when you read that, do you feel, yeah, that's me right there? That's where I am, right there. That sums up my heart's desire. Can you identify with those sorts of feelings? 
I think it's so easy to consciously or unconsciously as Christians decide for ourselves this far and no further. And that's why I ask you this morning, are you satisfied with where you are in your relationship with Jesus Christ? You know, I would love my own heart and for the heart of this congregation in unison to be able to answer the call of God as David answers it, Psalm 27, when he says, you know, God, you said to me, seek my face, seek my face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. And why does David say that? He's hungry. He wants more. He wants more of God. So, or in contrast to that, have you become satisfied with much less? Less of Jesus, less of prayer, less of kingdom life, You know, it's often easy to cover up the cracks in our spiritual lives by the busyness in our lives, even the busyness, dare I say it, in church life. Um, It's interesting and at the same time alarming that all the churches who receive letters from Jesus in Revelation, they're all doing good stuff. They're doing good stuff. Jesus commends them. He commends them for their hard work. He commends them for their patience. He commends them for their perseverance in difficult times. Yet none of those qualities, none of those things can substitute for our love for him and our passion for him. To the church at Ephesus, he writes, you've left your your first love. Isn't that heartbreaking? You're doing all these wonderful things, but this is what I'm concerned about. I don't feel it from you anymore. You've left your first love. Or the church of Laodicea, he says, you're lukewarm. You're neither cold nor hot, but you're, you're in between. Perhaps you can identify with this um, you know, no one, no one intends to lose their first love. No one intends to lose their, lose their love or passion for Christ. But how, it is, how easy it is over time to lose the fire that you once had. You know, the word eccentric means to be off-center. And how easy it is for us in our own personal lives and as a church to be off-center, to be an eccentric person an eccentric church to be off-center in that sense that we're off-center. Christ is no longer the center. It's easy to slip outside that central place of Christ being enthroned in our midst. I'd like to do um, over the next number of Sundays it's simply to follow a guideline that's it's set out by a man called Watchman Nee. Um, some of you might have heard of Watchman Nee. He was a great Bible teacher in China, and uh, he planted 200 churches. Most, of, most, if not all, he started as in the early church in homes. Um, he was arrested in 1952 because of his profession of faith in Christ, and in 1972, he died in prison. But he wrote this little book, which I'd recommend uh, if you get your hands on. It's called Sit, Walk, Stand. 
And it is, as you can see, it's a very thin book. It's very readable. And I'm going to try and use like a little, this, uh, the guideline in this as a skeleton and, and then put on a wee bit of the meat around it over the next number of, of weeks. Um, so first of all, I, I want, uh, you know, sometimes we, we, we do talk, and I've said it before, that, that prayer is easy. You know, it's, it's just simply talk to God. It's easy. But yet at the same time, it's quite, it's quite a journey to arrive at effective praying, to pray effectively um, in our lives. And, and that's, what I, that's what I want to try and look at. And today I want to look at the first thing, sit. There's sit, walk, stand. And it's covering the book of Ephesians, an overview of the book of Ephesians. And I want to look at what it means to sit in the context of what it means to be seated with Christ in Ephesians. The idea of sitting in Ephesians carries the implication of something which is finished. You know, you, you hoover the house and you sit down for a cup of tea. The hoovering is finished. You go out and you do the garden and you dig a few patches and put in a few potatoes and you're finished. You sit down for a cup of tea, you're finished. And the implication when the word sit or seated with Christ is used in Ephesians is that Christ has come to earth. He has had a ministry upon the earth. He has been arrested. He has been crucified. He has been resurrected. And then he goes to be with his father and it's finished. He's seated at the right hand of his father. Accomplished. Done. It's a bit like in Genesis where we're told that in the first day God created light. And then we're told that in the second day God divided the waters. On the third day, uh, he created the earth, the plants, the trees. The fourth day, he created the sun. The fifth day, and the, I'm sorry, and the moon and the stars. The fifth day, God created the fish of the sea and the birds of the air. And then when he was finished his work, finished all of that creation, he rested on the seventh. He sat down, it was finished, it was complete, and he rested. It was done. It was done. But it's interesting, on the sixth day, he created man. And it's interesting that man's first day was a day of rest. He starts with a day of rest. Adam begins his life with the Sabbath. God works six days, then God rests. But for man, the order's reversed. Rest first, then work. And to sit first and then serve. And this carries over into our own salvation as well. Um, Ephesians 2 verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So what verse, the verse is saying is, I can do nothing to save myself. It's all down to God's grace. It's all down to his favor being poured out in abundance upon us. God has done something for us, and we are to sit and enjoy it. We're to sit and receive it. It's not about us sweating 
and striving and exhausting ourselves to please God and do everything that we possibly can to please God so that we, he's in good terms with us. No, Christ has already done, finished, seated with the Father. It's finished. And when we put our trust in him, God calls us to sit down and enjoy what's already been done for us. Watchman Nee writes, for Christianity begins not with a big do, but with a big done. It's already been done. I read a while ago of a man who had a large rose garden, and he was really dedicated to working every day at keeping those roses healthy and beautiful. And one day it hit him that he'd taken actually no time to sit down and enjoy his roses. So one afternoon, he sat down in front of one of his rose bushes for three hours. And as he sat down and he began to see and smell and hear things that he wouldn't have experienced any other way if he'd have been busy. And he starts to enjoy his roses. The first three chapters of Ephesians are Paul's invite to sit down and enjoy the roses. Sit down and enjoy what Christ has done for you. He has come to earth. He has lived his life here. He has been mocked, scorned, died, risen again, is with the Father now, and it's been done for you. Now sit down and enjoy the roses. You know, in Ephesians, at the beginning of Ephesians, Paul begins his letter with, God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And Paul's saying, let's sit down, let's enjoy, let's sit and reflect on what God has done for us. I remember last summer, one of the sunny days, we, uh, we took Elaine's dad in the wheelchair down um, to the... Uh, where the big white swans are down at the pier, down around the, 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 the children's playground. And Elaine asked her dad, do you want an ice cream? And he said, no. But Elaine went in anyway. And God bless the girl that put out the ice cream because there was mountains. <laughs> it's an absolute mountain on top of a cone. I don't know how it stayed on. But the Celian's dad was just grinning from ear to ear with this big strawberry ice cream as he worked his way through it, content and enjoying what he had been given. What God has done in Jesus Christ, what God has given to us, sometimes we miss it because we're busy walking and standing and working. We need to be at a place where we're enjoying what he has given and reflecting on that. The Christian life from beginning to end is based upon a total and utter dependence on the Lord. Not based upon what we can do. Not based upon our strength, our ability, our talents. It's about based upon trusting Christ through the good times and the bad times and that relationship. That's what it's about. Um, you know, even when we receive the Holy Spirit... You know, did we have to plead for him? God, give me a Holy Spirit. Did we have to plead for him? Did we have to try and persuade God, put his arm up his back, and try and get the Holy Spirit from him? 
No. Paul says, by faith, you started off and you received the Holy Spirit and God has given you the Holy Spirit as a gift, as a guide, as a comforter, as a teacher, as a deposit for what we're going to enjoy when we go to be with Christ. You know, Peter in Acts chapter 2, 33, on that crazy day whenever the disciples suddenly, they've been so frightened to come out and suddenly the Holy Spirit comes and fills them and they rush out onto the street declaring the wonders of God to everyone and everyone hears it in their own accent, in their own language, in their own dialect and people are wondering what is going on here and Peter gets up and says, uh, therefore being exalted to the right hand of God having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit he poured out this, which you now see and hear. In other words, Jesus, whom you crucified, has been risen from the dead, has gone to be at the right-hand side of his Father. Because he's there in that place of authority, he's been able to pour out the Holy Spirit, and that's why you're witnessing what you see today. It's a gift, the Holy Spirit, given to us as a gift. He's a gift. You know, we need to get the order right, don't we? The first day of Adam's life was a Sabbath. It was a day of rest, and then he served. And we can easily burn out when we walk before we rest, when we stand before we rest, when we work before we rest, when you're busy, 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 and then you have to rest because you need to rest because you're exhausted. We have to try and discipline ourselves to sit and receive from God each day, you know, we, need to, we go deep before we go wide. And we go deep before we go wide. We receive from God. And in the resource of his strength, then we serve. Not the other way around. You know, my first car was an Orange Avenger. My dad, in the end, had to pay somebody 25 quid to take it away. It was, it was an old thing. Um, in the end, there was only one door that actually opened. But it was my car, and I look back with fond memories on it. And I remember sometimes, I didn't have much money at that time, like, but uh, so I remember going into the petrol station and getting two pounds worth of petrol. <laughs> That's all I had in my pocket. It'll keep me going, two, two quid. And uh, needless to say, there was the odd occasion when I, I totally ran out of petrol. Um, standing embarrassed at the side of the road. Um, and if we continually give out all the time in service, if we're continually walking and standing and working without re receiving from God in our own personal relationship with him, we will end up running on empty. We will end up coming to a, a stop. We sit to receive you know, there we sit. There are many verses of scripture where we see this, you know, and, and um, Isaiah 40, verse 31, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings and eagles. We sit. Psalm 23, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. And the Hebrew literally means waters of rest. He restores my soul. Psalm 62, my soul finds rest in God alone. That's where we start. 
before we do anything. You know, when I sit, the stress is no longer upon my muscles, no longer upon my nervous system, but it's upon something outside of myself, namely the chair. And so to sit down in spiritual terms is to rest my whole weight, my load, my future, everything upon the Lord. You know, Paul in Ephesians already refers to Christ seated at his Father's right hand. But in chapter 2, he refers to us being seated with Christ. He says, God has raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You know, there's this, throughout Ephesians, there's this identification with Christ. We're seated with Christ. Paul in his writings, he, he often used compound verbs beginning with the Greek preposition syn, S-Y-N, S-Y-N, which means together with. And he talks about being, we identify with Christ. Paul speaks in these terms where the Christian dies together with Christ. Christian, uh, the Christian has been crucified together with Christ, has been buried together with Christ, is raised together with Christ, and now lives together with Christ. And now in Ephesians 2.6, he is seated together with Christ. Now, this is past tense. We're, this has already been done for us. This has been done for, often Paul speaks of the resurrection which is to come, the eventual triumph of a physical death. But that's not what he's talking about here in Ephesians. He speaks of the resurrection in your past from a spiritual death. That when you came to faith in Christ, at that, you know, before that, you were blind to the things of God. Before that, you were in darkness far from God. The words of God meant nothing to you. But Christ has wakened you into newness of life in Jesus Christ, not just for eternity, but for now. And it starts the moment you put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. We're sitting with Christ now in the heavenly places. God is with us. God's presence is with us. We're seated with him And we're in the very presence of God who is rich in mercy, rich in grace. I've been crucified with Christ, raised with Christ. I'm now seated with Christ. And what that means for our prayer lives is that when we pray, we are praying from a place of victory, not a place of defeat. We're praying from a place right beside Christ in victory with his authority. When was the last time that you sat down and considered all that God has done for you in Christ and simply enjoyed the wonder of it all? When was the last time you enjoyed the roses? God wants us to have an abundant life in Jesus Christ. How are you feeling about that today? Have you been rushing so much that you haven't the time to sit and receive from God in your quiet times each day? Having the time to sit and absorb what God has done for you to try and give you that, to refill your spiritual fuel tank. 
Just to underline, just before I close, what I've been saying, may I ask you, you know, the parable of the prodigal son, that's got different angles to it, but which son benefits the most? One son leaves, blows all his inheritance on partying, etc. Then he returns, he's a broken man, he's asking his father for forgiveness. And the other son, he's always worked hard, you could say, was the ideal son in that sense. By the end of the parable, which son benefits the most? It's the prodigal son, isn't it? And when he arrives home, he's stinking of pigs. He says, instead of giving his son, the father, instead of the father giving his son an earful, he gives him a ring. Instead of punishing him, he puts a robe around his shoulders. Instead of restricting him to the servants' quarters, he reopens his home to him and orders the killing of the calf, which they'd been keeping for a special occasion. And he says, my son was dead. He was dead. But now he's alive again. He was lost. But now he's found. You know, it's more than the gifts, though. The gifts are merely, the physical material gifts are merely a symptom of his father's love. More than the gifts, this prodigal son that returns, he receives the knowledge and the assurance that he is incredibly loved by his father. You know, understanding that the word prodigal means extravagant. It's not just the son who was prodigal. The son was extravagant with money, his inheritance. But the father was extravagant. He was prodigal also with his love and grace. Grace upon grace and love. Yet the older son, he's out in the fields. The son, he's worked so hard for his father. He's so angry when he hears about the party being held for his younger brother. His heart is so hard and antagonistic that he receives nothing. Yes, the father says, all that I have is yours. My material goods, yes, they're yours. But that's only superficial. The saddest part in that story is that before the curtain falls on that story, we do not know if that older son ever received into his soul, into his psyche, the knowledge of the love his father had for him. Just like the tax collector, he cries out, God, give me mercy. Have mercy upon me, a sinner. And he receives it in abundance. The Pharisee says, I'm glad I'm not like him. And he receives nothing. Our place as a Christian, you trust in Jesus Christ, but you remain seated throughout your life on a daily basis receiving from him what he has for you, that you might have the inner strength, that you might have the spiritual capacity, the fuel to go and then walk and stand and serve him. You know, if you don't know Christ this morning, please receive him and enjoy all that he has done for you and desires to bless you with If you do know Christ, how far are you willing to go with him? Are the words engraved in your heart this far or no further? How far do you want more of him?
If you want more of God, there's an abundant life that God has for you, a rich life. Sit and enjoy what God has done for you in Jesus Christ. Sit and enjoy each day that fellowship with your Father. Sit and enjoy the roses that God has provided for you in Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we just, we thank you. I'm so glad, Lord, that my salvation does not depend on me because I'd mess it up, something fears. I thank you that the salvation has been done, that you have died and risen and you're at your right hand of the Father. And Lord, that what you have done for me, I can celebrate even though I fail every day. I can celebrate for what you have done for me. That forgiveness, that ongoing love, that love of the Father, I can celebrate that. I pray, Lord, that everyone here may not settle for second gear, that they may not settle for, I know Jesus, but this far, but no further. I pray that put it in our hearts, Lord, a hunger to know you more. That, Lord, that when we pass into your presence, we'll not be so unfamiliar with who you are. And we ask all of these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. We're going to stand and worship God with, there is our Redeemer, Jesus, God's own Son.
Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all this week, now and forevermore. Amen.